New Zealand Film Commission CEO David Strong has been in the job for nearly six months now and has presided over both triumphs and setbacks in that time. There's dealing with COVID, of course, trying to keep the industry afloat as productions go into hiatus, or in the case of big-budget TV series Rings of Power, go offshore. But there's good news too. It's been one of our most fruitful periods ever, with local films like Cousins, Juniper, Baby Dunn and many more. And this week there was the historic news that Dame Jane Campion's Power of the Dog has been nominated for 12 Academy Awards. RNZ's film critic Simon Morris talks to David Strong at the end of a very busy week. These are undoubtedly interesting times for the New Zealand film industry, culminating in great news on the Oscar front, David. Oh, Simon, thanks for um, having me back again. It's, it's huge news for someone like Dame Jane Campion, who is without a doubt one of the very best filmmakers in the world today. I, I go back to seeing The Piano in 93, 94, and the, the three Oscars she picked up then, and to now see her journey and to have, in the last six months alone, 12 Academy Award nominations, eight BAFTA nominations, two Golden Globes, and being the only female ever to be twice nominated for Best Director at the Academy Awards. It's truly a remarkable achievement. Well, on top of that, unlike our last Oscar bonanzas, the ones that you mentioned, but also Peter Jackson, of course, The Power of the Dog was an actual co-production, wasn't it? There's a lot of New Zealand Film Commission money in there. We put in um, around, I think, $2 million of discretionary funding uh, and then they could also access the New Zealand Screen Production Grant, which is 40% of part of the budget, which totaled around $8 million. Um, but what that meant, on top of the international money, is that in that year of COVID, when it was filmed, uh, I think around about $28 million went back into the New Zealand economy. You know, I'm talking about things like 13,000 accommodation nights, you know, $500,000 in catering. We have actually heard that it saved some businesses, some of the service industries of New Zealand when that film was being made. So it was a a boom for our economy at the time. I mean, how big was the crew uh, for Power of the Dog? How many New Zealand crew people were there? And a lot of the people in the crew were actually leading members. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, the producers, the production designers, you know, I remember Grant Major and Amber Mm. Richards have both been nominated for uh, Oscars for production design. Costume designer, you know, Kirsty Cameron, our hair and makeup, uh, Noriko Watanabe. You know, these are all leading Kiwis who Jane has worked with. But then if we go out further than that, uh, there were around about 330-odd crew working on this in Auckland and down in Otago. And then, of course, 290 extras. So well over 600 New Zealanders in some shape or form contributed to Jane's film. And this week, uh, as part of the announcement, lest we forget, uh, Weta's work on Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. They were they did a lot of special effects work on that, didn't they? Absolutely. Look, Sean Walker, let's give a shout-out to him over at Weta, uh, an amazing, talented man who's been in that industry for a long time. And You know, the Oscars, we know they're competitive, but sometimes we don't quite realise just how competitive they are. So to be nominated in itself is pretty much the gold medal standard in the world. And if I, if I divert back to Jane's film, you know, she's facing some pretty big competition. Kenneth Branagh with Belfast, uh, Steven Spielberg with West Side Story. You know, these are also very, very big films. So there's no guarantee that any of these individuals from New Zealand will get an award, but we would very much like to see them up there on the podium. It seems to be a very popular favourite among uh, overseas critics. They're absolutely besotted with this film. It's an amazing film. I've been fortunate to see it twice, and... I enjoyed it the first time, but I got so much more out of it the second time. I think one of Jane's brilliance is her ability to place 
information and visual information in very carefully crafted ways that you you can pick up the subtlety. It's it's a hard thing to make a film. You know, thousands of films are made around the world every year. It's hard to get into festivals, but to get this level of attention uh, across the world from the critics, from the um, the public is an absolute testament to her talent. The fact is that Jane has cornered the market on Central Otago as a, a location, basically. I mean, she did a TV show a couple of years ago. Does that generate an interest among overseas companies who like the look of that as a place to make yeah. their films? There's a couple of things in there. Firstly, I think um, New Zealand as a destination is well known around the world for you know the locations we have. Central Otago, Otago regions become, I think, Japan. It's become China. It's become Australia. It's become New Zealand. We made Mulan down there, which is the Disney film. So I think Otago is well known mm-hmm. around the world as a great destination. As is, let's be honest, most of New Zealand. I have to say that this is kind of the icing on the cake in some respects, this week's uh, Oscar nominations, because it's come off the back of some pretty successful years of local films as well. In fact, I can't remember a more fruitful two years of really good, strong local films. Savage, Cousins, Juniper, Bunny King, Baby Dunn, Dawn Raid. I mean, so many good films. Millie Lies Low, James and I See Night Raiders. Um, Hot Mother, Breathe, Datsun, Daddy's Girl, Atua. You know, New Zealanders are making world-class films that New Zealanders should be proud of, that we should love going to the cinema to see, but also that are travelling around the world. And it's great for a New Zealand filmmaker to be invited to Berlin, you know, to for their film. It's great for them to get that recognition. It's great, you know, for the films to be seen and for people to go, wow, that was made in New Zealand. And... This year, we've got a whole lot of more films coming out that I think will do equally well. We'll talk about that in a minute, David, but let's have a look at some of the slightly less upbeat news. And this, of course, is led by COVID. I mean, the fact is that that has provided very hard times for the industry, hasn't it? Uh, Absolutely. I think it's affected the screen industry just as hard as it's affected any other industry in New Zealand. Um, I do absolutely take my hat off to the government for their support of the screen sector. The COVID recovery fund, the way they've allowed many aspects of our creative industries to continue. I mean, if we look at Power of the Dog as an example, they began filming before the first lockdown in 2020. They went into lockdown and then afterwards they picked it up and continued. And I think that's probably an indicator of you know the passion of New Zealand filmmakers. If they can get their film made, they will find a way to do it. It's been tough. A number of films that we were going to make last year have been shifted into this year. So I think this year... We could be making 14 new New Zealand films, which would be a record, I think. And that's probably largely due to COVID. You mentioned the recovery fund, and I wondered how broadly you can spread that money. I mean, who qualifies? How widely can you support what was an extremely big industry at the start of last year? I mean, does everybody qualify for a handout from the government? I think specifically it's targeted for us uh, towards film production. So it's the costs that they would incur or have incurred rather due to the impact of COVID. So if they've been delayed uh, due to COVID, if they've had to pay additional contracts or services, um, if they had to close down for a period of time, then they can come in um, towards the end of when their films we made and said, this has cost us an additional this much. And we do some fairly strong auditing around that, as you'd expect from a, a Public Finance Act perspective. Um, and then we'll pay out. And so they are not left out of pocket because of COVID. So the money are distributed through existing productions. It's not a sort of a, I'm in the film industry generally, give me some money. 
Yeah, I, I think we've adopted a slightly different approach to you know some of the other agencies because we are very much a production-based funding agency. What I'd say, though, is another great benefit of this is that many films, in fact, I'd say the vast majority of New Zealand films have also got international funding. And if I look at Joyka, which is a film we're currently shooting, um, James Napier-Robertson is shooting that in Poland at the moment. It's a Polish-New Zealand co-production. It's amazing, actually. It's a really, really beautiful story that James Napier-Robertson picked up after he did uh, The Dark Horse. And it's about a true story about a, an American girl in Texas who leaves her family to go and join the Bolshoi guy. Uh, and so he got the rights for that. And it's leading um, Talia Ryder is one of those lead actresses out of America. It's a Polish-New Zealand co-production, so we're shooting Russia and Poland. It has funding from New Zealand, from Poland, from the UK, and I think also from America. You know, so it's a fairly complex piece that he's put together. But also we know that it's going to do very well. It's got great international interest. And the key point here, I guess, is that from a, a government COVID funding perspective, the government screen production recovery fund has allowed those international funders to go, okay, my investment's safe. I don't need to pull it because that production might close down. Right. So it's allowed a whole New Zealand films that might have closed down to continue. And that's a really key point. You're mentioning a, a New Zealand production that's being shot overseas, but over here, the alternative of that, which is an overseas productions of, of shooting in New Zealand using New Zealand crew, we had two big setbacks last year, didn't we, with um, Lord of the Rings and Cowboy Bebop, which were using huge facilities and people suddenly falling over or being relocated. That must have been a big blow to the industry, surely. Well, I'd say that Lord of the Rings, yes, Cowboy Bebop, not so. It was a TV series, decent-sized TV, TV series, but nothing as big as or as big as many of the shows that we, we make here. Um, but if we go back a bit, look, in 2020-21, which was our first COVID year, around $950 million of international investment was made in New Zealand through film. It was the highest year of international investment. Certainly last year, towards the end of it, when we went to lockdown, you know, that impacted us. It slowed things down. Um, what I'd say, though, is that this year is shaping up pretty well. Soon to hopefully make a pretty big announcement, but I need to get a few clearances before I do that. Right. Uh, oh, intriguing. There is international interest in New Zealand. And what I'd say also is, you know, films like the ones you and I have just talked about that have gone around the world, they shine a, a spotlight on New Zealand and they remind international studios that we make great films. So the power of the dog with these Oscar nominations, you know, we're going to go across to LA and we're going to meet with all the executives, hopefully, of the big studios and remind them that New Zealand is open for business. If you're looking at it in a glass half full sort of way with the Lord of the Rings, it's not actually called Lord of the Rings, it's called what Rings of Power or something like that, being relocated to England, it means that suddenly a whole lot of very skilled people are available to make New Zealand films. But on the glass half empty side, they're also very likely to go overseas to where the work is. How do you stop our most skilled film people from going off to chase the work overseas? Yeah, that's the thing I've, I've heard frequently. And screen workers are fluid in where they work. You know, they will spend six months in Hungary working on a TV series. They'll come back to New Zealand. So I don't think anything's going to change there. We do have a lot of films being made in New Zealand this year, as I said, mm. up to 14, plus all the TV series, plus internationals that are coming back in. 
I was going to talk about that a little bit later on, but I'm almost intrigued enough to want to know what they are, because clearly the thing that's going to keep the industry going is good, strong projects. So tell us about some of the projects that are coming up this year. I know Michelle Savile's Millie Lies Low, which got a, a launch at the film festival and is about to get a launch in Berlin this weekend, in yeah, fact. Well, Michelle's films have been accepted to Berlin and she's going to head across there. It's also made into Tribeca. You know, we kind of throw these names around, Tribeca, Venice, Berlin. Um, these are the A-list festivals around the world and they get tens of thousands of submissions and they'll select maybe 100 or so films. So to have a New Zealand film feature in their shows just how good it is. But this year there's a lot of films coming out, you know, Mothers of the Revolution. Uh, it's a documentary mm. about Greenham Common Women's Peace Camp in the UK. It's coming out in March. Uh, Fiona Clark, Unafraid, is another documentary about one of our our artists in New Zealand. Night Raiders, a co-production between Canada and New Zealand in March. Mm. About eight or ten films that I'm counting at the moment that are going to be released this year. And then on top of that, as I said, up to 14 more films that we're making this year. So fingers crossed, you know, COVID dependent. We don't mm. know if there's going to be any more variants. We are hoping this year could be a good year, Simon. Well, that's talking about New Zealand uh, films, but I'm mean, looking at whether there are big overseas projects to fill the gap left by uh, Rings of Power and Cowboy Bebop and films like that. I mean, clearly there are some, but I'm guessing also that you can't talk about a lot of them. <laughs> well, we know at the moment Sweet Tooth is already filming here. It's doing season two at the moment. So Sweet Tooth's been on Netflix and Toa Fraser, one of our Kiwi directors, directed a couple of episodes of that. It was number one on Netflix mid-late last year. And then all our conversations at the moment with the studios in LA is letting them know that we're coming out of COVID. And as I said, hopefully, fingers crossed, we could do a pretty decent announcement in the next couple of weeks. Um, but that's one of a slate of somewhere between six and 10 different international TV series or studios that have, or films rather, who have expressed different degrees of interest in New Zealand. Because what we've found recently, we've just commissioned a uh, a piece of work and had a draft report out of the UK that's shown to us that on average for every $1 invested in the New Zealand economy through screen, it has a gross value add to our GDP of $4. So we are actually a growth and contributing to our economy industry. You know, $3.3 billion per year. It's worth is around 15,000 Kiwis who work in the screen industry. I have to say it's been awfully quiet on the Avatar front recently. I just wondered if you had any any fur, oh, further news there. Well, I think, you know, James and John are probably keeping that pretty close to their chest. Um, we are hoping for something in the second half of this year. It'll be very, very big when it comes out, though. I mean, the technology that they're using down there in Miramar is quite groundbreaking. One possible plus of the COVID years somebody was expressing the opinion a couple of weeks ago was the fact that it allows scriptwriters more time to get those scripts right. You're not rushing off into production because you have to do it now. You've got a little bit of time. And Peter Jackson, I remember, was quoted as saying that the extra time spent editing is what made the Get Back series so good. I think if we spoke to most writers and directors in New Zealand, they'd much rather be making content than waiting to make content. Mm. As the New Zealand Film Commission, I asked our board and got agreement from them that our number one priority this year is to support the New Zealand film industry through COVID. Uh, so I've managed to divert some funds into writing more scripts. So we have got more what we call early development funding, which is script funding 
so we can help writers and directors keep their projects going. David, I have to say that you've had long enough now behind the big desk to start thinking about putting your own stamp on some of the films that the Film Commission supports. And I think of your two predecessors. Dave Gibson pushed for more titles and more comedy. Annabelle Sheehan seemed to be pushing for more diversity, more films by women, more films by minorities. And I wondered if you were to describe your tastes and interests, which way would they be going? Great question. Thank you for that. (laughs) Um, Look, first, I I walk on the shoulders of the giants before me because we've had fantastic CEOs uh, and board members in the Film Commission who have made some big decisions on on big films, right back to World's Fastest Indian and Cousins and Hunt for the Wilder People, etc. You know, the way I look at it is I just want New Zealanders to make great films. And I'm not genre-specific. I think we can all tell amazing stories. Um, as long as we're getting really good scripts and there's a good package of how it's going to be made, then I'm very open to it. Do you think we should continue to be concentrating on cinema release films, though, David? I mean, I know that streaming services are now elbowing their way into all of the major festivals, uh, the awards. I mean, Power of the Dog was partly um, funded by Netflix, wasn't it? It was. I mean, Netflix put in the, the majority of the funding there. And I think that's probably the way of the future in many cases. The world in screen is changing significantly, as you've said. The last few years has seen a global boom. This year, I think it's estimated around $220 billion of American dollars around the world of investment in screen. It's never happened like that. I think last year it was $200 billion, $180 billion the year before. And that is largely due to streamers. So the production quality is getting higher. And the competition to have your content screened is being higher. So we, as New Zealand, need to make films that are good enough that they will get a theatrical release because people still love going to the cinema. I love going to the cinema. You know, to be in the dark room, to be surrounded by people and have that experience of a big screen is... I don't think it's ever going to go away. We had TV that showed films years ago. We had VHS, then we had DVD. There's always been other avenues to see films on smaller screens. Streamers have game-changed it because of the the volume that they can fund to be put directly to streamer. So I think we're going to see more blended releases, like, you know, ones that go into theatres for maybe a slightly smaller window, or in some cases go directly to streamer and to cinema at the same time. But as a film commission, you know, we're still very interested in making the best New Zealand films that New Zealanders love that also travel well around the world. And, And it also can support good career development because most of our films that we fund, the directors go on to make more films and sometimes get picked up around the world to make bigger films, the likes of, you know, Tyke is a classic example. So finally, David, to people out there working on that script, what are you looking for? Are you looking for fact or fantasy, <laughs> message or escapism? Uh, look, Simon, I would be happy if it is a really, really good story that it engages an audience, that people want to go and see it, that it feels big screen, that it has... Uh, a life in New Zealand and a life around the world. If, if it's science fiction or fantasy or middle-class drama or a diverse story, it doesn't matter to us. It just needs to be a great New Zealand story. And look, there are many, many wonderful New Zealand writers out there and there's many great New Zealand directors and we're making good content. And we should, I think New Zealanders should be really proud of their film industry. And also, you know, in the short film side too, we're getting some really exciting and challenging short film scripts, which, which would be really good to see because they travel well as well and they help develop our writers, directors, producers who can then move on to making feature films. 
I have seen a few short films where you just keep thinking, I'd love to see that expanded. I mean, case in point, of course, was Taika's Two Cars, One Night, which ended up becoming boy. Well, look, some people make shorts and go into features and come back and make shorts. Mm. It's the desire to, to be a screen artist, which inspires people. We don't know in New Zealand where the next Taika or Peter Jackson or Jane Campion or anyone else is going to come from. So we need to be able to, to create that environment in New Zealand where they can develop their talent and then at one stage, at one stage in their career, come into us and we can give them funding to make those feature films. Two films that I always thought were, were marvellous last year or last year and a half, I think, just because they were going into an area that we don't normally go into. One of them was Cousins and the other one was Baby Done. They're, they're both character-driven. They're not sort of plot-driven or one lead character in the middle worrying about things. It was There was an interesting group of people in both of those films. I thought they were lovely. Oh, look, I think Cousins, you're right there. I'll talk specifically about Cousins. I think Ainsley and Briar were remarkable for directing that film. Uh, it touched the heart of who we are as New Zealanders, you know, the story of, of some of our, our Māori and what they've been through. If we broaden that out a bit a little bit, Coming Home in the Dark, The Justice of Bunny King, you know, Gay Sorn Thabbitt's really strong social drama, but also, you know, Juniper, what an absolutely beautiful film. And there's a scene in the middle of that film where they're dancing that I think could go down as one of our, you know, more memorable scenes that we've made recently. We do good, we do comedy very well in New Zealand. Yeah. We've got that wonderful dry, slightly self-effacing comedy. When we laugh at ourselves on screen, I think more of those would be good. I think more family stories would be good. And I think the, the breadth of storytelling that we could be telling here is probably a little bit broader than we have been in the past. CEO of the New Zealand Film Commission, David Strong, talking with Simon Morris. And next week we plan to talk to Michelle Saville at the Berlin Film Festival, where she's launching her movie, Millie Lies Low. How are you feeling about the movies to come this year? David's just been talking about our email address, standingroomonly at rnz.co.nz, or text us 2101.